Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of the Tradewinds Green Seas podcast. My name is Craig Eason. I'm the technology editor at Tradewinds, and I'm your host this week. And in this episode, it's one about the so-called new technologies that are really beginning to take off. Wind propulsion. Always a little bending knees, uh, but it's amazing that, that you know, I, I really in the beginning didn't figure I would get to this stage. Uh, uh, and, and after my career, and now, and now in, in this company, it's really cool that you can do something worthwhile. We get to hear from two technology companies making inroads into the market, and a ship owner who has very recently put four systems on board one of their vessels. I bumped into Frank Nieuwenhuis of Econowind. And he started to tell me about the sails. And being a vivid sailor myself, I sort of fell in love with the idea. And that is really how it started. This week's episode is brought to you with the support of Bureau Veritas. At Bureau Veritas, each and every one of us is by your side to help you navigate your decarbonisation journey and shape a better maritime world. Wind technology is, I would say, becoming the technology of 2024. We're not even two months into the year yet, and I've already interviewed or spoken to at least five technology companies that will be, in the coming months, pushing on with trials, installing systems on existing ships, or even announcing that they've won orders to install systems onto new build vessels. Regular listeners to the podcast or readers of technology or regulatory news and tradewinds will know how regulations are pushing shipping companies to look more favourably at new solutions to keep vessel emissions low, both on existing ships and those being built. Later in this episode, we're going to hear from Norse Power, the Finnish company who announced what could be the single biggest order to date for a wind propulsion system to put 16 rotor sails onto three ships being built in China for Louis Dreyfus Amateur. And last week, I went to Rotterdam where a 16,100 deadweight chemship tanker, the Chemical Challenger, was finishing off the installation of four suction sails from fellow Dutch company Econowind. Chemship CEO Niels Grotz showed me around the ship. We started this journey already three years ago uh, when I just looked at ways how can we reduce the CO2 output on a vessel. Uh, and that actually was already long before um, all of the new regulations came in. I just did it because I, th- I thought, well, we have a young fleet, uh, uh, so we, in a way uh, we benefit from, from uh, new engines and, and, uh, and, and a good ship. But uh, I was just looking beyond that, how could I achieve that? And I just started to ask around with mainly startup companies, how can you help me reducing the CO2? And uh, I don't know how, but I, I bumped into Frank Nieuwenhuis of Econowind. And he started to tell me about the sails. And being a vivid sailor myself, I sort of fell in love with the idea. And that is really how it started. What I can see here is four sails being installed. They're not fully installed yet. How difficult has it been to actually get them installed? Because I can see hydraulic systems being put in, electronic systems. I can see a lot of cabling. There seems to be a lot of work going on to put these four on board. No, it is... uh, The work is actually much bigger than we envisaged when we shook hands to to put the sails on board. Uh, But I'm not regretting it because uh, I think we kind of have 
we're going to achieve what we want to achieve, and that is to reduce the CO2. Uh, the work has been tremendous. The ship has been in a in a in a, in a shipyard in in Bulgaria to do the pre-work. Uh, here we've been already all week. Um, but I think it's worth every penny because uh, I'm not looking at the money really, I'm looking at the CO2 reduction. I've noticed that this isn't the only system that you've got going onto this ship. I see um, a boss cap, Correct. a fin boss cap going onto the propeller later today. Yeah. Um, so this is a range of systems that you're going to be putting onto this ship. Is this something that you are also copying going to, or thinking to copy onto the other vessels? Because you've got a fleet of about 15 or so ships. Correct. Yeah, we got 15 vessels, and and on uh, most of them we have already applied, yeah, small technical changes where we just gain one, two, three percent of um, uh, reduction in the in the in the consumption. Uh, but this ship really, yeah, this is really uh, the ship which has now five systems. So we got. Uh, the Econowind sales. We're working with uh, very sustainable loop oil manufacturer, also a startup company in Holland, uh, which we apply in the generators, where we also get a, a 3% reduction in, in consumption and, of course, in uh, CO2 emission. We're working with uh, two different paint manufacturers to have the underwater ship. Yeah. Uh, we apply paints which are so smooth that the ship is just gliding through the water. We have the Boscap fin as you mentioned which we already have on two ships now uh, and then we are very much working on the motor management and uh, working with torque meters working with torque meters on the shaft generator on, on the shaft yeah so we can measure what is happening in the engine and how can we man- manage the engine better. Altogether, this looks like it's a sort of a well thought out operation, and we all know that there are regulations that are coming into play now. Uh, we've got the CII, which of course you'll be looking in your calculations to see how you rank on that with the vessels. Next year, we're going to have the Fuel EU Maritime, so every time this ship comes into Europe, it's going to have to comply with that, of course, to the ETS as well. But just sticking with the CII and the Fuel EU Maritime, yeah. because particularly that latter, you can pool your vessels. This, I'm going to guess, by having the, uh, the, the rotors on board, is going to enable your whole fleet then to be pooled. Is that one of your ideas? Um, well, firstly, we operate a fleet of 15 ships and we have an average age of seven. So if you look at, uh, at the CII, we're scoring pretty high. Uh, and, uh, and also as a pool. But yeah, I think... Um, this is going to be a really interesting voyage going with the sails and the result we're going to see on this first voyage will really determine what we're going to do in the future with the sails on the other ships. We have an option for four other sails to be installed on a, on a sister ship of the Chemical Challenger. Ah, the success will be when we measure on our transatlantic voyage to Houston then we will know what route we're going to take when it comes to the sales. But I have good hopes. And just, just finally, in terms of image here, putting four sails like this onto a ship, on any ship really, for me it indicates symbolically, but as well as practically, and you know, it's a visible indication of the transition that we're going through in this industry. Actually, that is uh, the visual image of a, a ship coming in with sails. Uh, for me, it brings back memories, because at the end of the day, shipping started with sails, 
shipping is evolution all the time. And uh, having the sales now on board will really show the industry that it's possible to use wind again. And, uh, and, and what I really also like about this, this project is that the routes uh, Chemship sails on, we're calling a lot of old ports. Ports like Istanbul, Genoa, Naples, all two and a half thousand year old ports. And it will be amazing when a ship sails in a port like that. Niels Grotz, Chemship's Chief Executive Officer, talking to me while we walked around the Chemical Challenger, watching the last of the four suction sails from Econowind get lifted and secured on board. Grotz was both excited about the journey and being an ex-seafarer, nervous about putting the systems through their paces as the ship sails through the North Atlantic. And it is this seaworthiness of any clean tech on board a ship that would keep any shipping boss awake. Ships don't look good limping into port. This is something the technology companies will also be aware of, and when I spoke to Econowin Chief Executive Frank Neuenhaus, he said that they were also taking this into account as they improved the design of their suction sail. As we're watching the fourth of the these sails being installed on the or lowered onto the deck to be installed onto the uh, Chemical Challenger, with me is uh, Frank Nievenhaus, the CEO of Econowind. Yes. Um, this, this is the fourth system here that's going on board. But how many systems have you actually got on board other ships at the moment? In total, about sixteen wings. Um, uh, it's a little bit how you count because some of them are containers and they have been placed from one ship to another uh, in a rental construction. But in uh, retrofit installation, uh, and now 12. 12 of these systems on how many ships? Yeah, uh, on seven ships. How does it actually work? I noticed that these are slightly different from the original setup that I saw from yeah. Econowind, which had a, f- I, I believe there's a difference between a flap at the back that's uh, been evolved. What's the basic principle of how these systems work? Well, as it's a suction wing, you need you need suction on one side, and um, uh, therefore there was a flap um, uh, which which changed from one side to the other in the in the first systems. That was an exact copy uh, of what was done previously in the 80s, uh, and we figured out a way to uh, get away from that movable flap, as that turned out to be one of the surface points, because at sea everything that moves breaks down. And so we figured a way to get away from the movable flap, but in a different smart way of doing the suction, we can now do the suction with the, with the fixed flap in the rear. I noticed it takes a little bit of installation because there's these base points that have had to be built onto the ship upon which these systems are going to be installed. And then they are foldable so that they can be lowered down if the weather is rough or if it needs to be during port operations or the harbour requires it. How have you devised the system to be as efficient as possible so that it can work as effectively as possible? Well, if if you mean uh, once it's been installed, um, and then really it's the concept of the suction wing. Uh, A normal wing would be much bigger, much um, in order to have a certain force and to stabilize the airflow, we we use this suction system. uh, So we kind of pull the wind around the wing <clears throat> now we can have a, a thick nose which gives a high force and yet still have a small cord length uh, uh, and, and that's really the function of the, of the suction. I won't go into the details how it works 
but the suction really means that you can you can uh, keep a what's somewhat smaller wing uh, having the same force as when you do not have the suction then you need a bigger wing now i got told that when you came up with this idea a few years ago i'm not sure when but somebody told me that you towed a version of this behind a car <laughs> yes very true Conoship had been studying all the concepts of wind assisted uh, ship propulsion uh, so they looked at rotors, at kites, at normal sail, at normal wings, and also at suction wings. And then they, once they were ready with that studying, they wanted to go into the wind tunnel and build a model to, to prove it and, and to get your own feeling for it. And getting into the wind tunnel is quite expensive and difficult if you don't have a company yet. And indeed, I, I, I met Conoship then and I said, well, why don't you pull one behind your car in a relatively wind-free day? Uh, and then the, 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 the relative speed is the same, so it's comparable. And uh, that's what we did. We actually put it first a small one on top of my car, and then we had a trailer, and we, we pulled a five-meter wing um, uh, on a beautiful, nice day, and did our force measurements, and found out that the concept indeed is very good. And just finally, every time you see one of these systems get put onto the ship, how do you feel? That's <laughs> amazing. Always a little bending knees, uh, but it's amazing that, that you know, I, I really in the beginning didn't figure I would get to this stage. Uh, uh, and, and after my career, and now, and now in, in this company, it's really cool that you can do something worthwhile. That's Frank Newenhouse, Chief Executive Officer of Econowind, talking to me about the journey he and Econowind have gone down in the last eight years or so to get the technology ready. And Econowind isn't the only technology company that's doing well off the growing acceptance of wind propulsion systems and ship owner and operator concerns about the regulatory landscape. Another company is Finland's Norse Power. It has also grown its position since emerging with an early installation of a Fletner rotor on a Maersk Pelican six years ago. And while Econowind has suction sails, Norse Power's system is based on the Fletner. The suction sail idea has evolved from the sail design of developed by Jacques Lousseau back in the 80s, the Norse power rotor sails are based on an invention from German inventor and engineer Anton Fletner a hundred years ago. Well, a century after its invention, it seems it's getting its moment. While Econowind is ramping up production of its suction sails in the Netherlands for both its existing sail system and a much larger design that it has for bigger ships, so Norse power is ramping up its production in China. Here's Norse Power Chief Executive Thomas Risky. We are uh, ramping up our factory in China. So uh, it's uh, north from Shanghai at the city of Dafeng. We are building, uh, I think it's first ever mechanical sail factory in the world. And when it's ready, we are aiming, aiming up uh, at, at the production capacity of 100 rotor sails per year from that Dafeng factory. The presence in China is certainly with a new build market in mind, and Thomas Risky agreed that it is the regulations driving interest from owners, but there are also areas that make it a strong business case. So uh, it's, uh, of course, always the, the end customer, uh, the ship owner uh, and or the charterer who is deciding that they want to have rotor sales on board. 
but quite often if it's a new build case uh, we are selling the router says to a shipyard and and we are uh, more and more partnering with with asian shipyards and we are actively looking for new shipyard partners throughout asia now as a naval architect will note ship designs today have not been optimized for the wind that was back in the days of the tea clippers the sleek sailing hulls have become more box-like to maximize cargo carrying capacity such as you find in a modern bulk carrier or tanker but if a new building is going to have a wind propulsion system installed when it's being built when it's being designed the design can be optimized here's thomas again yeah that's the case you can uh, maximize the benefits by doing that uh, it's not only the the whole form it's also the locations for the for the router says they can be optimized and also the the entire uh, let's say main propulsion or conventional propulsion system can be designed so that it, it can be uh, adapted to uh, variable load from the mechanical sales in an optimal way that's thomas risky from Finnish rotor sail maker Norse Power. Now, before we end, if you listened to last week's episode, you'll have heard my colleague Eric Priantin Martin discuss the cause of a horrendous oil spill in South America, with fingers being pointed at a Vietnamese owner of a Panama flagged vessel. Here's Eric with a quick update. A few weeks ago, we reported on an oil slick off Brazil that covered a 170 square kilometer area of the Atlantic and how SkyTruth believes the source of that spill could be a chemical tanker called the PVT Sunrise. We've now heard back from PetroVietnam, the Vietnamese oil company that owns that vessel. Its shipping unit, PetroVietnam Transportation Hanoi, said it conducted an internal investigation and rejected that its ship could have been responsible for the oil slick. The company said the ship was in ballast at the time, that means it was carrying no cargo, and there is no record of any discharge of oil from the ship. And the company said it's not been contacted by Brazilian authorities. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Tradewinds Green Seas podcast. If you go to the podcast website, you will put links there to the relevant stories covered in this episode. And remember to subscribe to the podcast in whatever podcast platform you use. You know, the likes of Apple, Google, YouTube, SoundCloud, Podbean, or even Spotify. There's something for all tastes. And you can also sign up for the Green Seas newsletter. So that's it for this week. My name is Craig Eason. Goodbye. <laughs>